Are you sitting in a wobbly chair or at a wobbly table right now? Want to fix it? Go get a pad of post-it notes and fit it under the short leg as a shim. Then just remove individual post-its until the surface is level. If you like that tip, you're going to love this episode of the most useful podcast ever. We've jam-packed it with handy tips for improving your summer. We've got instructions for learning to log roll from a log rolling coach, summer cocktail tips from a New York City bartender, and even a list of great Father's Day gifts to show the dad in your life how much you love him. Later on today's episode, we play kind of a dark game in which we try to guess which common household practices are most likely to kill you. And we also test out a heart sensor that claims it can tell your real age by taking the pulse in your finger. You might want to take notes on this week's episode, y'all. Life tips are coming fast and furious. I'm Jacqueline Detweiler, and you're listening to the most useful podcast ever. So James Lynch, it turns out, is a, a champion log roller, which I don't <laughs> think anyone in the office knew. So we uh, asked him to tell us how to do it, and he decided to call his former coach. Yep. Ah, cool. Which uh, the trouble is that we called the person who knows I'm not actually a champion. <laughs> I, I, th- I assumed you were not a champion. <laughs> I got a solid second place trophy. But, but yes, I went to Middlebury College where Danielle Rougeau is a special collections librarian and our log rolling coach. It's a pretty cool combination. That is pretty cool. You met kids at Middlebury that taught you how to do this. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, um, the Heschler sisters, there were three girls that attended school here. And the one who graduated in 2005, Lizzie Heschler, uh, was in the midst of competing. So her parents sent her a 17-inch cedar log to practice on. And Peter Solomon, the uh, swim coach at the time, gave her permission to put it in the pool. (laughs) And so she and her sister would roll against each other just to stay sharp for competition. Middlebury sounds like a magical place. <laughs> so how does one uh, log roll? What are the basics? Like, What do you need and what do you do? So really, when, when I'm teaching, the only thing you need to come with is clothes you don't mind getting wet, and then I'll supply the log in the water. And that's, that's how it starts. Are your shoes just sneakers? Or are there log-in shoes or roll-in shoes? Oh, they actually log rolling aren't. shoes. <laughs> they are not actually log-rolling shoes. They're um, barefoot running shoes. Okay. Oh, that sounds and, good. And and some people are actually I've seen some other styles of shoes, but you just don't want like a um a, one of those dock shoes. They're a little bit slick. So you have to have a shoe that's a thin sole so that your foot can flex. It'd be best if you were like say barefoot. Um and had calluses like a gorilla. <laughs> <laughs> well, calluses are good, but actually competitors use spikes. Oh. So they have little spikes. And there's no slipping. And, in fact, that allows you to grab a log and move it. Um, but um, if you're just teaching, if you're just learning, you can roll barefoot or with a thin shoe. So, so when, you're, when you're standing on the log, right, it, it, it moves, and we know, in, in such a different way than any thing you're used to balancing on, right? It goes left, it goes right, it spins, it dips, it's up and down. You know, what do you, what do you tell people when they're about to step on the log for the first time? to, you know, get them to not just go off one side or any side or right off. You can only control so much. I mean, the only thing we can control is the log spinning when somebody first gets on. All we can do is hold it as steady as possible. And actually, that's pretty cool because it is such a unique feeling. Nothing else feels like it, and you can't stop that. And you really just need to feel that when you get on. And so if the log's not spinning... The rest of it is really telling somebody to completely, totally relax and begin that very gentle process of flexing because you're constantly reestablishing balance. So every little move you make 
every little adjustment you make in your body and your knees is a way of reestablishing balance. And if I can hold, as a teacher, hold the log still, you have the ability to step out there and just begin that feeling process of a surface unlike anything else I've ever tried. Can I ask what's maybe a dumb question? How do you get on a log? (laughs) There are a number of ways. Um, At Middlebury College, because we're in the four-foot part of the pool, I sit on the deck and I hold the log. I use my hands and my legs to hold the log still, and you just have a person step from the pool deck onto the log, being very clear that they don't step back to the wall. The next step is the water. You know, so you step out from the pool deck onto the log, you walk out a safe distance, and you give it a try. You only have to have two feet of water. As long as the log does not bottom out, it's a good place to roll. A good place to roll. <laughs> and what is the objective to roll the other guy off? Like, do you, if, if, if you have two evenly matched people, are you, trying to, you actually trying to roll it so that the other person falls? That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. Um, if you know what you're doing, you are actually, you go from, as a beginner, just trying to maintain your balance to actually being able to move the log the way you want to by using your balance. It'll be an offensive log roller. Yes. And then some, some of us like to kick water in other people's faces. <laughs> Which is, is low. It's, it's a <laughs> low move. <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that frowned upon? <laughs> it's a, it is actually, you can do that. That's completely legal in a competition. Was James fond of that technique? He could do it. He's a dirty roller. He could. <laughs> it's not, I knew listen, it. Danielle has got great balance, and I'm not, a, I'm not above doing whatever it takes to win. And, and James, yes, and he's good at that. He will do that. He will do that. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us and telling us all this um, and giving us the backstory on James. <laughs> One more weird thing <laughs> to know about <laughs> James. <laughs> this is oh, my there's, there's many things you get. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> thank right. you so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Father's Day is coming up, and I have no idea what to get my stepdad. As usual, I, I always end up waiting till the last minute and then being like, hot sauce? Uh, golf things? I have no idea. Um, so we invited Matt Allen here today to tell us all of the cool stuff that he has found in the course of all of his things reporting and also doing stuff for the life. And also Peter Martin is here because he just went golfing and is like a brand new golfer who's getting a golf lesson this weekend. <laughs> True. And yeah. I also learned about some great new things from our contributing editor who actually is a good golfer. Oh, cool. So what do you guys have for us? What do we get for Father's Day? Uh, Peter, you want to start with the golf? Yeah, we'll do that. So Tom Kirell is our contributing editor, and he went down. He did a story in the June issue about the annual PGA Merchandise Show in, in Orlando. So we got to try all this stuff out and picked uh, the best four different price points. So first one, if you really love your dad and you <laughs> want to put a price on how much you love your dad, um, the Wilson Staff Triton DVD driver Whoa. Um, is it's actually marked it. 450 bucks. Ooh, you got to love your dad. But it's $299 right now. Hey. I was on Wilson's site earlier today. It's on super sale. Who knows how long it'll last. But this thing has two removable plates on the bottom that can change the trajectory of the ball, which affects your spin and your distance. If Is you're... that legal? And like, a, I guess if you're not competing with anyone but your friends. It's a good question. I don't know if it's PGA legal, but I don't know how many of our dads are on the PGA tour. Pretty. I can only speak for mine. <laughs> but <laughs> mine, mine's, mine not, no. mine's not either, yeah. Um, so the other option, Tom said, if you want to spend a little less money, find his favorite wedge. Everybody loves a wedge. And just go in his bag, pick the, the, the wedge that is the most marked up, and you know that's his favorite one, and get him a replacement. So if it's a sand wedge or a 52-degree wedge or something like that from um, 
Cleveland Wedge. That was Tom's favorite. It's 95 to $150. Okay. That seems like a reasonable amount. Uh, and then what, what do you got, Matt Allen? All right. I got some great uh, non-golf items. Uh, there are dads that Those don't, don't exist. Golf. There, are yeah. da- there are dads that don't golf. <laughs> At least not right now. They don't. <laughs> um, all right. So I'll start with a uh, most affordable option. Uh, I'm a big fan of insulated beverage containers. I like my drinks cold or real hot and, you know, nothing in the middle. So I'm a... I'm uh, recommending Hydroflask Tumbler. Um, the, these come about uh, 30 bucks. They're double-walled stainless steel. So basically, uh, you can beat them up. You can use them for years. And they'll keep you, like, if you put a big beer in it, your beer's going to be cold for hours. It's, uh, these are great for, like, going out on the boat, hanging out at a barbecue. Um, if you're more into just hot beverages, there's also a coffee mug version with a top that clips down for about the same price. Cool. Uh, yeah. Going up a little bit, uh, there's a multi-tool I love from uh, CRKT. It's called the Bivy. It's designed for uh, one-hand use. Um, and so the the main feature is sort of a spring-loaded pliers, which I'll, I'll click out. Whoa. Yeah, so that it even sounds nice. Um, it also has uh, a really nice, uh, I think it's about a three-inch serrated knife on it. Clicks out. That'd be great uh, for camping. Yeah, it, 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 it was designed by a like, rock climber who was looking for a good tool for one-handed use. Um, I, I find out of like, the many multi-tools I play around with, I keep going back to this one. This is about uh, 70 bucks. Okay. Uh, One last thing I also wanted to recommend was called Westland Garyana Whiskey. Uh, This is American-made whiskey uh, from the Pacific Northwest. And what Westland was trying to do is create the the most, like, authentic for the region, uh, get, like, sort of terroir of the Pacific Northwest by actually getting a indigenous species of oak to use for the barrels. So it's sort of like everything, the grains, the, the oak, uh, you know, the distillers, uh, all are from the Pacific Northwest. So it's, it's also, it's not just gimmicky, it's actually delicious. Uh, you can find bottles online for about $125, and that's like a great, like, special whiskey that they can, you know, be proud of on their shelf. Ooh, that yeah. sounds good. I mm-hmm. like all those. Uh, and then uh, what else is this? You got one more thing oh, here. What I do. is this thing? I also have, um, and because I mentioned I like cold drinks. You did mention that. Yeah. So this is a new soft-sided cooler from Pelican Cases. Uh, Pelican Cases, you might know, they make uh, super burly uh, cases for like lugging our camera equipment. Uh, basically, they're great at making really, really tough things. Uh, and so they've started applying that to the cooler market because, uh, well, we all want really nice coolers these days. Mm-hmm. It, uh, this one runs 280 uh, and it can hold a case of beer, keeping it cold for about two days. So I think uh, Peter made mention of, you know, if Dad decides to lock himself in the garage he, and the fridge goes out or whatever, he's got cold beer. Or if you uh, chain him to a chair in the garage by one hand and then you give him the one-handed multi-tool mm-hmm. and put all his beers in there, then you can play this, like, cool Father's Day game or see if Dad can escape from the garage. We have different relationships with our fathers. I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> it's like escape the room. Escape the garage. Play that with your I mean, father. As long as it's or beer. don't. Or yeah. don't, because he'll hate that. <laughs> the Popular Mechanics podcast is in a subterranean bar right now called Slowly Surely with Jim Kearns, who is a fairly famous bartender and the head bartender here. Um, thank you for having us down here. Of course, thanks for coming. Yeah, my pleasure. (laughs) Um, So I've been here a few times and your cocktails are super complicated and really exciting and awesome and that's part of what I really love about them and I feel like there are so many infusions Um, and I've always wondered personally just when you infuse 
something versus something else. Like when, okay. you, when you use a high proof liquor, when you use a liqueur, when mm. you use a water or a simple syrup or what, I mean, if people are, people like to do this kind of stuff at home and our, right, sure. our listeners love to do that. When, when do you do what and how do you figure it out and what do you do? It, it kind of all depends. Um, alcohol is a very friendly molecule. Um, in that, you know, it sort of absorbs anything that it's put in contact with. It tends to, you know, interact with things. If you put it, you know, with something like a spice or a botanical, it'll pull flavor out of that pretty readily. Since we're making cocktails and generally spirits are the basis of cocktails, if you infuse a spirit for those two reasons, because there's more of it than anything else in the cocktail, and because uh, the higher concentration of alcohol makes for a more extracted infusion, that tends to give you a more concentrated flavor of whatever you've infused into it. Um, whereas if you were to make like a syrup, for instance, you're looking for more of like a fresh flavor of a certain item, you know, like a, you know, a fruit syrup or something like that. Um, tinctures are highly concentrated. They're almost like a, like a bitters or like a liquid spice is kind of the best way to think of a tincture. So we've got a cilantro tincture on one of the bar here that we use okay. in a drink called the Swamp Fire. It's very and green. And that's essentially 151 rum with, um, with cilantro uh, vita mixed into it. Um, we got a pineapple infusion that's going to be in a julep that's going on the menu. Uh, dried habanero infused uh, plantation Trinidad rum here. Um, tea, tea makes a great infusion. So we got a uh, an Earl Grey tea infused Linnea Aquavit on the bar. So when you do one of these infusions, do you just chop everything up and put it in? Do you put it in whole? Do you put it in cheesecloth? Like what do you have to do? So what what I like to do is whatever processing you're doing on the thing that go that's being infused into the spirit. Um, or measuring or whatever should be done first. That should be uh, tossed into a large container where you're actually going to make the infusion. So, you know, like for instance, with the pineapple infusion here, uh, I cut up the pineapple uh, first, put that in the large container that you see it in, and then I added the bottle of bourbon afterwards. Okay. Um, and it's in, just for the, for listeners, it's in a, uh, like a big Tupperware, basically, about the size of a bowling ball. So, yeah. Yeah, and then when you're when it's done, you know, when it either tastes right to you or I don't know, when it's spicy enough or whatever, whatever you're going for, uh, you essentially just want to get uh, a fine strainer and strain it off. Um, generally speaking, you want to use no, you don't have to use like a, like a coffee filter or anything for most infusions, but you definitely want to get the majority of the thing that's being infused into the spirit out. And in terms of using spicy stuff, like mm-hmm. I've, I've used jalapenos before, and I feel like it gets spi- really spicy really quickly. Like how? Yeah, it, jalapenos <laughs> depend. Um, jalapenos vary radically from one batch to another. Um, the part of a jalapeno that you want to infuse to get the spice or any pepper, if you just want the spiciness, the capsaicin from the pepper, uh, you want to infuse the membranes and the seeds. So you want to essentially wear gloves uh, and uh, take a spoon and just scrape out all the little, you know, funky, fleshy bits inside of the pepper once you cut it in half. Uh, if you want the flavor of the pepper, um, you want to use the shell of it. Um, there isn't really a whole lot of spice in the shell of most peppers by comparison with their interior membranes. So 
you want to use the membranes for the spice and the shell for the uh, for the flavor. The one thing that I did find with this habanero infused uh, plantation rum is that uh, a well when they're dried and they're put in alcohol, they become intensely spicy very quickly. <laughs> Uh, so in the case of this stuff, I think I let it go for like three minutes and tasted it just out of curiosity the first time I made it. And it was like, it was so spicy, you couldn't possibly, you know, you, you wouldn't want to drink it. Um, so, you know, the, the infusion now is like a minute or two, you know, it's a very fast infusion. You kind of have to just taste and infuse to taste when it comes to doing something like, you know, fresh jalapenos or right. serranos. Do you have any, so you mentioned Earl Grey tea, which I've seen everywhere and I love uh, the flavor of that. Do you have any particular things that tend to infuse really well that, that you like using? Over here we got one that I'm doing that's a, uh, a French curry infused uh, aged rum. Um, (laughs) and then like I said you can you know the fresh fruit thing works really well we got uh, bourbon uh, pineapple bourbon infusing right here Um, this is uh, dill bullet rye uh, cocoa nib mezcal vita serrano ray and nephew rum Uh, once again serrano here but in uh, yellow chartreuse Eucalyptus infused uh, St. George terroir gin. Oh, and uh, uh, sarsaparilla infused wild turkey rye. (laughs) (laughs) Kevin wants a lot. (laughs) You know, if you're in New York, stop by Slowly Shirley. It's a cool bar in the West Village. And thank you so much. Sweet, absolutely. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for swinging by. So for today's episode, we are going to talk about an uh, article that's in our next issue. This is called Will It Kill You? And Peter Martin, who edited that section, is here to tell us how that got started. It's true. And to host a fun game. He's also going to host a fun (laughs) game, apparently. This actually came about because I was trying to get some toast out of the toaster with a fork, and my mother-in-law told me I was going to die. And I thought, that's not true. And I said, that's not true. Then I thought, maybe it is true. So we looked into it. Is that one of the questions in the game, or are you going to tell us? Because I do that all the time. You're really not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to, but only because you should unplug it, obviously. And it was unplugged when I did it was my point to her, like what's possibly going to happen. Oh, yeah. If it's unplugged, you're fine. Well, you can actually mess it up. And then when you plug it back in, it can cause a fire if you mess up those tines in the right way. So Uh, what you're saying is a toaster oven will kill you. Or a toaster will kill you. Unfortunately, saying my mother-in-law is right. I I leave it raw. And I use a knife. I don't use a fork. Oh, see? Either one is still dumb. What if it's coated in butter? Does that insulate it? Even, but that's the thing. I used to think tongue depressors were fine because my grandma actually had these things. You grab pop tarts with a tongue depressor, a clothespin with tongue depressors on either side. But even that could go in and, and mess advanced. up the, the that heated is things. That's advanced yeah. toast removal right there. That's how my grandma was. Okay, so how do we play this game? All right, so I'm going to give you guys a topic, and then you are going to buzz in on okay. your buzzers. Okay. And you're going to tell me if, if you're going to buzz in if you think you know the answer, basically. Okay. okay. And then I will let you know. And the, the answer is answer. to the question: Will it kill you? Yes. Okay. All right. So first topic. Scratch Teflon pans. What do you think, Kevin? Uh, I think no, because I think Teflon's better than it used to be. Like, maybe Teflon used to kill you. I think modern Teflon, perfectly safe. You're pretty much right. I was hoping you'd be worried more about the pieces of it coming off in your mouth. That was what always freaked me out. Oh, I didn't think about that part. Because if (laughs) you cook eggs and there's all these scratches in the pan, a little bit of that might come off and you'll eat it, and that actually won't kill you either. Um, There is a very... You'd think someone would test that. Yeah. Well... There's a, there, there's a, I think the reason people worry about this is that there's a very big, um, it's called, there's a chemical called perfluoroac, it's called PFOA. <laughs> <laughs> it's called, you know what? 
Um, and that has caused cancers in lab animals and things like that. But when they use it, when they when they prepare the pot, it is cooked out. So everything's fine. Um, all right. So Kevin, one point. Okay. All right. Next one. Microwaves. Jackie. Uh, microwaves so will not kill you. I, you know why? Because I did a story on oh, microwaves cheating. years ago. Uh, <laughs> and it, one of the things we looked at was, will microwaves kill you? And the answer is no. So there's two kinds of radiation. This is the non-ionizing kind. It's the safe kind. There's also that metal screen in the front, which blocks the radiation from getting out of it. So oh, yeah. stand as close as you want to your microwave. All right. All tied up. All right. Getting punched in the nose. You know how they say if you get punched in the nose the right way, that bone goes up in your brain. It kills you. Oh. Ooh. So it's much slower than last time. Yes, that will kill you because your brain <laughs> is back there. Is behind, is behind <laughs> your nose. <laughs> but you are correct that your brain is behind your nose. It will not kill you. Damn it. Oh. Um, I mean, it's relief, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that's good news. I mean, the thing is, it, you would have to to drive that bone into your, the distance into your brain would take superhuman strength. Oh. So you're, you're um, and so far, nothing's killed us. Okay. You want, you want something good? <laughs> yeah, let's well, give you us some danger. I mean, yeah, but, don't, but then we don't know, then we know what the answer yeah. is, though. So. Um, all right. So how about if you reheat food in plastic containers and Tupperware? Same, same thing. There's no way this kills you. We've, we've checked on this. Who's we? The, <laughs> the scientists. Oh, okay. The, you know, the people who take <laughs> care of it. We and the scientists. So this is actually a solid maybe. Um, so there is... I'm terrible at pronouncing chemical names. <laughs> Bisphenol A or BPA mm-hmm. is the thing that everyone talks about. Mm-hmm. Um, that is in all plastics. It has been shown to do a lot of bad things in lab rats. Uh, so, but the amount that we actually get, the FDA says in day-to-day interaction with plastics, we aren't going to get anywhere near that amount, which we trust. But there's no real, many people disagree with that. So there's no consensus on long-term effects. So it's a solid maybe. So half point, Kevin. All right, I will accept half point okay. to Kevin. So what are we, well, we're at one and one and a half? Yeah, yeah I think so. <laughs> okay. And we have one question left, so oh, it all comes down to this. Oh, here we go. Okay. Um, plugging something in with wet hands. She demolishes Jeez. you on speed. Yeah. Uh, and she is correct. Ha! No. I know because, you know why? Because my mom always said not to do that, and I trust my mom, and also... <laughs> We talked to, you remember we talked to the safety guy? Oh, and I said about how, oh, I was like, right. I never, um, I never uh, touch a light switch with wet hands. Did your mom know why it was a bad idea? Uh, because it would conduct electricity better into your body. Smart mom. Yeah. Well, it's because there's so many impurities in water and those are good conductors. And so the electricity goes the easiest path. Uh, the other interesting thing. Oh yeah, because in theory, if it was like pure water, it wouldn't conduct, right? Right. Maybe, yeah. Or it wouldn't conduct as well. Yeah. Um, but also dry skin is less conductive than wet skin. So don't do it. So Jackie wins. Whoa. Kevin, you're dead. Thanks. Nice knowing you guys. Bye. <laughs> it is time for everybody's favorite segment, Nat Facts. Wait, don't you mean Hat Facts? Uh, no, it's definitely Nat Facts. Eleanor? Eleanor's here with some Nat Facts. Um... So gnats is sort of a catch-all term for different sort of flying small bug creatures. Some bite, some don't. Um, The most common form of biting gnat, known as buffalo gnats or black flies, uh, they're kind of interesting. The the males eat nectar, but the females eat blood. Yeah. yeah. And uh, they breed in waterways. So as rivers and streams get cleaner, it's 
easier for the gnats to live. But fun fact about Black Flies, one of Canada's most iconic folk songs, the Black Fly Song, was written in 1949. <laughs> Canadians, man. <I> <laughs> it's one of their most famous songs. If you asked me to guess who would have a nationally famous song themed around flies, I would have guessed Canada. He's in the Canadian Songwriters Hall of Fame, inducted in 2003. So, are, there a, are there a lot of gnats in Canada? Well, apparently, in northern Ontario, if you want to go build a dam up there, you better be ready for some... Some gnats. Some serious gnats. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's been Nat Facts. So the item we're testing on Testing Table this week uh, has actually become kind of a serious... It's like, an office phenomenon. I was going to say, it's been an office phenomenon. It's been, the th it's been the thing that we've talked about most other than whether a hot dog is a sandwich. <laughs> Probably the last month, I would say. Um, and it's... Uh, James Lynch found it. How'd you find this thing? Uh, I just got a PR email about it, and I was like, that thing's making some bold claims that we should be able to easily test. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's called the iHeart, and uh, James, take it away. What is this thing? Yeah, so this is the iHeart tracker. It tracks your internal age, which is supposed to be, we all have our years on Earth age, our age, some people call it, <laughs> and then you have your internal age, which is how old the inside of your body is supposed to be. Okay. And so what this does is you put it on your finger, and it looks like the little uh, meter that you might have in a hospital that go on the end of your finger, mm -hmm. and you know it's got this little screen that shows your heart rate, which is pretty neat, and then a couple other metrics which are hard to really understand, uh, especially if, like me, you don't have any medical training whatsoever. <laughs> Um, I did take Wilderness First Aid, though, so I can splint you with, like, a stick if you need. Oh, that's useful. <laughs> I got yeah. you. Um, but, yeah, and so then it, it tracks you for a minute, and it tells you what your internal age is. The real question is, what does internal age mean? And that great question is not answered anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, okay, let's just first ask, what is your actual age, first of all? Uh, I, j I turned 23 last week. Well, congratulations. Happy birthday. You've made it very Later. far. You've made it quite far. I've done pretty well for myself. Yeah, you're, you're killing it. <laughs> not dead. Uh, and um, your internal age, according to this, is what? It varies. It varies <laughs> aggressively, I'd say. I'd, I like to sell... The the youngest I've seen is 19, okay, which I think is a fit age. I don't know. I think I'd be concerned if it was like you're 11. I'd be like, oh god, that's too young. <laughs> what does that mean? I'm a weak what heart. Does, what does that even mean? A poor constitution. No, but uh, I've gotten 19 and I've gotten 45, but the majority of mine are somewhere in the 36 to 39 and range. And how many times have you tested this? Uh, at this point, probably like 25, 30. You know, I got some of my oldest ages were when I biked the nine miles to work. And then it was like, you're 45. So uh, what is it? I feel like we talked about this one time. Is It's testing uh, the like the flexibility uh, of your arteries or something? It's supposed to be your aortal stiffness. Oh. And I just haven't really been able to find out what that is. And you go on the app, it's like, your aortal stiffness is, wow, that is an easy word to mumble over. I think it's aortic. Aortic? You're yeah. right. You're super right. I think I was just trying to make it harder on myself. So your aortic stiffness is 7.5. It's like, oh, okay. Should I be concerned with that? It's like, oh, little information button. What's aortic stiffness? Aortic stiffness is the stiffness of your arteries or, or something right, like that. Right, it's right. just not very helpful. And, and you're like, oh, that's circular. Thank you. Yeah, I kind of want a more comprehensive explanation of what's going on here. Yeah. It doesn't do a great job of explaining that. But it seems like it's not particularly consistent. And no. it seems like that's the main thing. You Even if it's like, okay, well, this is consistent if this is telling me i'm five years older than my actual age but it's doing it regularly then you could think maybe there's some validity right. to what it's measuring but if you're getting everything from 17 to 45 it's hard to really take it seriously as a 
as any kind of guidance for you. Yeah, I mean, my problem, I think, with this is that, like, the idea of an internal age is cool. Like, that's neat. Like, oh, my blood pressure's high. I... I don't exercise a lot. I'm I'm pulling 40s all the time. Right. If it's switching by decades consistently, then to me that's not an internal age. That's just like a metric of your moment. You right, know, right, it's, right. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a strange way to, to put it. But I did just test myself. 79 beats per minute, which is cool. I like that it has a pretty accurate pulse. Uh, my blood oxygen level is 97%. My Aortic pulse wave velocity is 7.12. It also told me I'm 24. My internal age, my actual age is 23. So today, today you're doing pretty. You're I'm doing okay. You're, pull, you're uh, pulling a pretty young age. Ke- so how old is Kevin? I think I've done it twice. Once I was 33. I don't remember what I was the second oh. time. Oh, I can tell I'm you. actually 30. Okay. Oh, do you have my? It my does track it. in there. Yeah. So let's see. All right, I'm gonna start recording. Oh, your pulse is so low. Uh, all right, you want to guess your internal age? Man, my pulse is old man really Ke- low right I'm now. I'm going to say old man Kevin. Yeah, old man Kevin. It is old man Kevin? I, don't, I, don't, I didn't mean to. I think, I think I'm like 32 right now. Mm, well, you're 34, so. I was going to say Rough. 34. My mind's going. Your pulse, though. <laughs> That's what happens. Only fix 56 beats per minute, which means that Kevin is cool under pressure, even when he's recorded. I respect He's cool that. under pressure, even while being recorded by voice and by heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what's this thing called? So this device is the iHeart Internal Age, and it retails for like 195 Okay. That's a lot for something that doesn't seem to be particularly reliable. You know, what I would say to that is, yes, you're right. And, you know, I think the heart rate tracker's cool, but you can get those for like 30 bucks or something like that. Yeah. You know, I'm sure you can find those out there. And, you know, if this were an accurate predictor of how old you were on the inside and if you're going to die... Then yeah, cool. Two hundred bucks makes sense. So, w- would you buy this? No, I would not buy it. No, yeah, I wouldn't either. No, Kevin, definitely not. No, I would even go so far as to, mm, I don't want to be mean. Kevin, be mean. Go, go for it, please. Be if mean. someone were gifted this in my family, I'd say you should go return that and buy something. Wow, else. wow, right. It's like not a medical device, and you're like, well, what is it then? It's yeah. not a running shoe. It's not a toy. It's fun for the first couple times. Oh, it's a toy. And then you get just really anxious about how old you are on the inside. I'm anxious right now. It's recording me, and I want to know how old I am. Well, if you get more anxious, you might mess with your stiffness. I do have 99% uh, oxygen. Look at you go. That's That's good. I'm proud of that. Wow. I'm old. Am I old as fuck? Take a guess. 40. 24. Yes! (laughs) Yes! All right, all right. But, but, let's... Killing it! I'm, I'm your age. What have you been doing the last few weeks? Uh, I'm from Florida, which is where the Fountain of Youth is, Ponce de Leon. Is it because it, as it warms up, you get younger? That is accurate, yes. I really thought I'm, only, it, I'm only actually alive in the summer. I'm just mostly dead in the winter. I thought just because of like mosquitoes and fruit liquor drinks that you age very quickly in Florida. Oh, yeah. No, that's true. Although if you drink enough of the fruit, like the- you, you know, like you preserved? S- I was going to say, it preserves you. I, I don't know if you've seen the color of that stuff. It's the same color as formaldehyde. Maybe the constant threat of death by alligator keeps you young at heart. It does. So that's our show. The Most Useful Podcast Ever is produced by the staff of Popular Mechanics and edited by Jesse Wright Mendoza. We'd like to thank Sarah Bentley and Andy Bowers from Panoply and Popular Mechanics Editor-in-Chief Ryan D'Agostino. Please subscribe to our show on iTunes. And while you're there, leave us a comment. We'd love to know what you think. And if you want to read more about any of the amazing topics we covered on today's show, you should check out our website, popularmechanics.com. While you're there, you can subscribe to the print and digital edition of Popular Mechanics magazine for just $13.99 a year. I'm Jacqueline Detweiler. Thanks for listening.